Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack. Uh, two of us are in Lubbock. One of us will be in route shortly after this podcast. Uh, we are ready for game day almost. We're about a little over 24 hours away from kickoff. Number 13 ranked Oregon Ducks head down uh, to Jones AT&T Stadium. Um, don't get that confused with the other AT&T Stadium uh, in, in Texas as well. Uh, but it's it's Oregon, Texas Tech, two teams that came into the season with a lot of expectations. Texas Tech suffered a double overtime loss, 35-33 at Wyoming week one of the football season. Um, Oregon obviously hung 81 points on Portland State, totally outclassed matchup there. But, guys, this is supposed to be a big one. Does it feel big to you guys still, or did – and big as in a relative term. It's not Texas, Alabama that's also playing this weekend. But, like, this game definitely doesn't feel nearly as, air quote, big as it did a week ago this time. But it maybe the importance becomes even more because if Oregon walks out of this game with a loss, that's pretty damning. Yeah, it would be. And to your point, like, I, yeah, I mean, it's probably lost a little luster. I thought there was a, like, when I was looking, when the schedule was released and when we were looking at this in the summer, I think there were moments where you thought maybe this could be two ranked teams or Texas Tech was at least kind of in the picture for that. Um, There's a team that finished last season really strong, that returns a lot of its key players, and that there were pretty high expectations, it sounds. I mean, we had Jared Johnson on the podcast earlier this week, and he kind of outlaid a lot of that stuff. So I think fans are pretty aware. Like, Tech entered this season thinking this could be a really special year where they could maybe contend and, and try to win that Big 12 title. I think that's probably still the case, but when you lose, it sort of impacts things. And from from my perspective, I'm looking at like how if we think Oregon is as good as it seems some people think they are, and if we think that Oregon is going to accomplish some of the things that they want to, this is a game they need to win. And if they lose this game, that really throws the rest of the season to a certain extent, out of whack. I mean, people think this is a team that could be a dark horse national you know, championship, at least college football playoff contending type team. I shouldn't say that they could win the title because I think that's really difficult when Georgia and Alabama um, are still so healthy as programs. I know there, there are questions at quarterbacks, but those are programs you figure are going to be there at the end. Other teams have, um, you know, there are other teams out there this year that are also going to be contending teams. But I I, I think if, if you lose this game, there's some there are some real questions. You know, this whole offseason, we talked about the improvements in certain areas. And, and to win this football game, you've got to see improvement in those areas. So uh, I'm really curious to see what we find out here. As we've touched on throughout the last week, it's hard to take much of anything away from what we saw against Portland State. I think we're going to learn a ton this weekend. And I'm excited to see just kind of what this team looks like when they're facing a really intense environment and a team that has talent and athletes that will challenge them. I think this is still very much a big game. Um, I think, yeah, it definitely has lost a little bit of its luster with the loss to Wyoming from Texas Tech standpoint. But 
don't tell people in Lubbock that it's not a big game because people here are very excited for this football game. Uh, this is one of the biggest non-conference games that uh, Tech has had as hosted in a long time. Um, I'm here with like both my cousins who went to Tech, and this is a big game for them. It's a big game for the community. Uh, they get to show off the new parts of their stadium. I think it's like the west or west east or west end zone that's being redone right now. Uh, they got the cool flashing LED lights, so we'll all be uh, able to see that. And it's a it's a big question for Oregon. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, I don't really have a great feel on what this Oregon defense is. Um, offense, yeah. I feel like I could. Yeah. I understand what they're trying to do. I understand what they're going to do. Um, yeah. But defensively. Like Matt said, like, you know, it's a pure outclass against Portland State. Like, they yeah. played most of their backups for, I don't know, probably 65, 70% of the game. It's not like it was any, it's not like it was a difficult game at all for the defense. They didn't pass, they didn't do anything. Like, I'm not really sure what to read into this defense yet. Uh, and Tech, I know Josh Pate touched on this on his uh, late kick, uh, the podcast and the show on YouTube. Um, Tech has that hungry dog mentality, that beaten dog mentality. Like, or I think he specifically said wounded. Yeah, you know, they're they're down. They're zero and one on the year. Um, they do not want. No team wants to start zero and two. They have Oregon at home. They've got a ruckus crowd. Students are on campus here. It's going to be a great environment. Like they're going to come out with their hair on fire. They're going to come out guns a blazing. Um, no pun intended for the Red Raiders, but it's going to be a tough game. Like it's certainly maybe not exactly what we thought. Like Eric said, like Texas tech was a preseason top 25 in the coaches poll. You wished it was a top 25 matchup between these two teams, but still a lot of talent on Texas Tech's side of the ball. Yep. Still a lot of talent on offense and defense for them. Joey McGuire is a good coach. It's only second season with the program, but he did great things last season at tech. So it's still a big game. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be one of Oregon's, hardest road environments to go to this season, but a little bit of the luster is worn off for sure. Going into this one, it's all, there's going to be a lot of attention that will be thrown at uh, Tyler Shuck because it's now Shuck versus former team that I get you that I bet you that will be talked about at length for mm-hmm. as long as this game is competitive. Um, Tyler Shuck competing against Oregon and for that storyline to matter at all i i think we're gonna have to see some production from texas tech's receivers and this is probably to both your guys's points um and specifically to jared's about like not knowing what the defense is like yet like i completely agree like i i feel like they have athletes on the secondary that can make plays they've upgraded the depth, they've upgraded the talent, they've hit the portal, they've hit the high school ranks, um, they've developed their returners. I feel like this group should be good, should be at least better than what they were a year before, but you can't really believe it until you actually see it. And Tech's got some special dudes at receiver, whether it's, it's Bradley, who's like a six foot five, 220 pound receiver who 15 years ago is a tight end in the day of college football. And now he's just a regular receiver. Um, Or if it's the guys that they've got inside, like Dre McCray uh, and Miles Prince. Um, Dre McCray was an FCS All-American. I know that, you know, that's a different level of football, but that's still pretty impressive. Prince is a guy that's caught at least three balls the last, you know, 
every game for last two or three seasons. Um, they've got a lot of athletes, and it feels like this is a game where it's Oregon versus Washington State type-esque, but with better players and better athletes at the receiver spot. And we've seen in previous games in that kind of a matchup, Oregon versus Washington State, I know it's a little bit different here, but those teams have given Oregon fits, and this is a team that's going to be – cut from the same cloth they run a little bit different offenses they run the quarterback more obviously than washington state does and you know it's a it's a little bit different it's not full true air raid but some of the principles are 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 there from washington state and we've seen oregon especially when they go on the road against this type of a team and this place has a strong reputation within the big 12 of, of being jacked up hard hard to play at especially when they're solid and good and it's sold out uh, to, to give Oregon teams fits. So I I, I, I don't want to say like I'm really worried about Oregon's secondary, but it's something that I just have. That's like the, the number one thing I think I feel like we'll learn about is how good Oregon's secondary is this, this season in this game. I like bringing up the Washington State comparison because I think that's an apt one for several reasons. Um, you mentioned some of the offensive similarities. You mentioned the, the – um, some of the environment similarities. I know we're look, Oregon's playing in a much bigger stadium this weekend than they do when they go to Pullman. I think Pullman is really, I don't know how the numbers are in front of me, but in terms of power five stadiums, it's, it's got to be very like at the bottom or in the bottom two or three nationally. It's just a, about 30,000, something like that. So it's, it's much smaller, but it is a place where you go and you feel it. And that's what I've heard about tech as well. And then also like there's just a sort of mentality similarity where, you know, just like Washington State's in the same state as Washington, Tech Tech has been kind of the forgotten stepchild, if you will, almost compared to Texas and Texas A&M and some of these TCU recently, just this last year, playing in the national championship. And I think there's a chip on their shoulder down there that you see similarly. At least these I kind of pick up on reading their message board, seeing some of the quotes, just kind of everything over there. There's that, I, I like you bringing up that kind of point, Matt, in terms of the similarities there. Um, and to, to what I'm looking forward to, if I want to be a little bit different than talking about the secondary, I, I'm curious to see how this offensive line, especially Jackson Powers Johnson, you know, first time starting on the road at center, how he handles an environment like that. That's something, I mean, now that I'm thinking about who we should have requested this last week, Jackson would have made sense for several reasons because, A, we could have gotten some of the background into why he was missing practice and, and his recovery, and then we could have gotten to what it's going to be like playing in an environment like this. Um, because Oregon fans know full well, like if the center to quarterback exchange isn't good, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the offense is. And I, I'm very confident in Jackson Powers Johnson. He was pretty much flawless in the opener from what I saw, but you just wonder. And then you wonder how, how Oregon's offensive line is going to handle um, a defense. And, you know, Tim DeRuder, I know he probably doesn't have a, a lot of huge fans at Oregon because his year at Oregon was, was pretty mediocre in terms of the, the totality of it. They obviously won the big game. Um, over Ohio State, but there were some disappointing outcomes there from how the defense played. But you know they're going to be aggressive. You know they're going to be creative, and you know they're going to throw a lot of different looks at you. And for this offensive line, which, again, I think everybody thinks has a ton of talent, let's just see how it handles all of that. And I think the reason why you should have confidence is because of Bo Nix and how, how freaking smart that guy is and what a leader he is and how much he kind of understands everything on the field. But if you are Oregon, you're going into this game, it's a lot of new guys in a really tough environment where there's going to be, I think, a lot of exotic looks. And so how do they manage that? Because that could be the one thing that maybe slows this offense down. Because I, I do think if if they're clean and the snap gets there and there aren't procedural issues, 
I think it's going to be hard for Tech to slow Oregon down enough to win. But if Oregon, you know, shoots itself in the foot, makes mistakes, maybe, you know, we haven't really seen it much because uh, Bo Nix has barely really been pressured. But maybe he starts making some of those, you know, plays he made at Auburn that led to turnovers. The the Bo Picks nickname comes back. That's kind of the recipe for a disaster here in my mind. So I think a lot of it offensively starts with that offensive line. The secondary and offensive line are my two biggest, I guess, worries going into this game. So I'll try to I'll try to mix it up. Uh, I'm going to go with the defensive line. Um, we have been flooded on the message board on DuckTerritory.com about, hey, Oregon didn't get any sacks against Portland State. Should we be concerned? And the optimistic lens perspective, and I think is the right answer, is you look, Portland State didn't pass the ball. They threw it like 12 times. They had 52 yards, and Oregon generated seven or eight pressures on their drop back. So it's a really good rate in terms of a pressure rate and getting the quarterback. <clears throat> the pessimistic view is they didn't register a single sack against Portland State. They beat the doors off of them 81 to 7. It's clearly not a, not a team that's close to the, the competition and talent level that Oregon is. So why the heck didn't they create a sack? Um, and we'll find out this weekend because – Texas Tech is going to throw the football a lot. Uh, against Wyoming, Tyler Chuck had 47 pass attempts. I think they they kind of hum around that 40 to 41 level per game. At least they did last season. So maybe it's more this year, maybe it's not. It's only one game in the year. Um, but Wyoming was able to get pressure to Chuck. Either, uh, you know, they had a lot of deflections off tip passes. They had a couple sacks. They had a lot of hurries. They had some moments where they forced Tyler Chuck to get the ball out of his hands quick. And then um, I forgot who talked about it, but I think it was Dante Manning mentioned that, you know, Tyler Chuck, when he was at Oregon, when they played together, had the propensity to, to kind of keep the ball in his hands a little bit too long yep. and kind of turn himself into, you know, maybe looking at too many reads, not reading the pocket, and then getting sacked. So I think that's maybe not necessarily a worry for me, at least not yet, because I think I'll be – I'll have a better idea of what the defensive line looks like after the game. This kind of goes into my point of, like, I don't know what the defense looks like because they haven't played anybody real. Yep. This will be it. This will be the yeah. moment. This is the my worry about the secondary. Like Matt already went through. Like I'm confident that they're better. How much better? Is it three percent better? Is it sixty percent better? I don't know. Um, and then for the offensive line, just real quick, because those are my two biggest worries. Um, the offense it's going to go against a real opponent. Yep. And Texas Tech, although they're kind of undersized in the middle and they run this three-three-five defense. Um, they're going to get exotic. They're going to have different blitz packages. They're going to scheme differently. Uh, I'm sure that they didn't show all of their cards in the Wyoming game, which I think is a dumb argument because they freaking lost. So I really hope that they showed all their cards instead of losing on purpose to Oregon, but <laughs> I digress. Um, it's going to be an interesting defense to play against. The the three three five is tough against like passing down scenarios because they have so many defensive backs or guys who can get on the field and cover. Um, it's easier to run against, but it's also harder to protect against in blitz packages because yeah. of the personnel that they have on the field. It's quicker guys. And, you know, Oregon obviously wasn't really tested against Portland State. They certainly did their job. They were better in uh, pass blocking than run blocking as they were last season. So that hasn't really changed. But um, it'll just be a new experience. It'll be interesting to see, like, how would Johnny Cornelius adjust to this level? It'll be interesting. Like Eric went through Jackson Cars Johnson getting to this to this game, starting at center for the first time in a road environment. Um, I'm confident in them, but I want to see it. So that's that's my second biggest worry. But yeah, defensive line, all of the things that we just covered. It's a 
that's a good point on Johnny Cornelius adjusting to this level of football. I mean, yeah, yeah. dominating Portland I mean, State. That's what he did at Rhode Island. Yeah, it, it's a big even, step up. Yeah, even Josh Connerly. I was like, just going to say that too. Josh Connerly. Yeah, and I I think he's going to be phenomenal and probably a first round pick down the board. But this is his first real start at left tackle. That's the biggest one of the you know probably like the third in hierarchy of positions on the field is left tackle. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And imagine if we if Oregon played Tex last year and they had Tyree Wilson coming off the edge, that'd be that'd be <laughs> a little different. Awesome. That would have been such a good matchup. So okay. fun to watch. That would have paid for that. Yep. Uh, injuries, real quick. Dan's not going to talk about them. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's been made it's been made very clear uh, whether it's post game or Monday night or Wednesday afternoon, uh, we're just not going to get injuries really from Dan this season, at least right now. Um, But nonetheless, we get into practice or at least we get into stretching um, and we're able to, we're able to see who is at least taking part in some areas of practice, which gives us kind of an area where we can project and kind of, guesstimate a little bit of who we think is going to play and who maybe won't be available this week. There were a number of names uh, who did not play week one against Portland State. Um, Chris Hudson, Mace Funa, Justin Jacobs, um, Noah Winnington played the first snap of the game on kickoff, but then didn't play the rest of the, the game after getting hit on a kickoff. Um, we did not see Brandon Dorless until the first quarter, but we don't think that was an injury. Um, there were a couple other guys here. Or Evan Williams is another one. Casey um, Kelly. Casey Kelly did not play as well. Um, do you think all these guys are back? I, I think no. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I don't know how we're supposed to – I don't know how I'm supposed to answer these questions. I, I really have no idea. Yeah. I mean – and, and it's it's fine. I mean, I understand. And the fans have, are clearly there's a contingent of fan bases that's absolutely okay going to any game having no idea who's playing and having no idea if a player's being held out because it's, it's you know a precautionary injury or if it's something serious. And that's totally fine. That is the way you're going to operate. So if you like it that way, that's the way it is. And and that's I understand. There's a competitive advantage to all of this that Dan yep. that Dan clearly sees that um, that you that's pretty prevalent at in major college football right now. So that's where we are. Um, if I were to project people, predict people, uh, like I, I feel like it's probably unlikely Justin Jacobs is playing yeah. just because he still was wearing trainers on Wednesday. Um, you know, if Evan Williams was being held out for this is what's hard is I don't know why they were held out in the first place. So like, is Evan Williams held out because it was a precaution and they wanted another week for whatever his hand issue is to heal? Like he's got he's been practicing, but he's got a wrap on his hand, so. Is that improving? I have no idea. If it was, if he was like, could have played against Portland State, but they wanted to be careful, so they held him a week. Then yeah, I think he'll play. But if this is like he's mm-hmm. dealing with a broken hand and he's just getting reps out there right. running around, and that's different. So um, it's really hard to say. I mean, Chris Hudson um, and uh, some of these guys, uh, like Mace Funa, those two guys, like there are no known injuries. I don't really have a sense of why they didn't play. They were warming up before the game and then just didn't play. So. Um, no Whittington. Right. I would I would guess no Whittington's back because he's practicing, and if he dealt with a concussion or something, he wouldn't be. Like Whittington's probably the only one I'm co- most confident in because we know he was knocked out of the game, and then he came back and logged full practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I would expect he's good, but the rest of it's just complete guesswork. I mean, it's guesswork even to say Whittington might play. I mean, it really is. So right. that's yeah. where we're at. 
Yeah, it's it's all guesswork. I mean, I would I would I would say I expect a majority of the guys who didn't play last week to play this week, like Mace Buna, like Evan Williams, like Noah Whittington, maybe Chris Hudson. I don't know what what that deal is about um, because a lot of the guys warmed up yep. before the game and then just didn't play. And I think you have that luxury when you're playing Portland State. You just don't need these guys to play. Like, I think that was the case with Noah Whittington. Like, he gets banged up on the first play of the game um, on, the, on the kickoff, and then Dan and Carlos Lachlan are just like, all right, that's fine. Like, Jordan James is just going to go get three touchdowns. Like, <laughs> Bucky Irving carried the ball four times and, like, two or three receptions. Like, we don't need you. And I don't think they needed – uh, I don't think they needed Mace Buna. I don't. I, they. I mean, they clearly didn't at this point. But they didn't need him. They didn't need Evan Williams. Like, I would. I. I don't even know if I could say I would expect him to play because I have no freaking idea. Anyways, like, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. And Dan's not going to talk about it. And we're not going to. We're not. We're just not going to know. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that's how I'll phrase it from now on. That most of the guys who didn't play last week, other than like. Justin Jacobs and Tatum Tuioti, like guys who had seemingly been dealing with injuries beforehand, the guys who had warmed up and then just didn't play, like I would expect those guys to play. Chris Hudson, I don't really know what's going on there. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he played, but I'm also surprised that he didn't play last week. That was more surprising than like Mace Funa and Evan mm-hmm. Williams. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I think I'm just cautiously optimistic that most of those guys who warmed up and didn't play last week will return. You know, barring an injury that we don't know about that happened on like a Thursday or Friday. Um, but for all we know, it could be the same story. They they warm up. Evan Williams is down there, number thirty three. Game time comes, and he's in street clothes. So we don't know. I, I um, Matt, I just want to say I will say I'm, the one player we know or I'm very confident won't play who would be a big factor potentially is Nishad Struther just based upon the yeah. fact that he didn't practice on Tuesday or Wednesday when we, when we watched. So I'd be very mm-hmm. surprised if he, if he played, I maybe he'll make the trip because they can trip, they can travel more guys, but I don't think that's a player you, you were expecting to, to see out there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And um, Justin Jacobs would be the one that I would feel the most confident isn't playing yeah. beyond Struther just because he's not in, uh, he wasn't in cleats the whole week that we were there. At practice, but everybody else, like you guys said, could be guesstimate, could be in, could be out. And I think that's maybe some of the intrigue of the game going into this one is A, who travels, B, who plays that didn't play the previous week, and then maybe C, just how deep down the depth chart do they want to go um, and, and mm. playing guys, uh, right? Like, especially up front, the defensive line, like they played a ton of dudes last week and. A lot of that was because of the score, but do we see Amarion Winston and Jake Shipley start like they did yeah. last week? Now, some of that was player personnel that Portland State went in with, but you know, mm-hmm. um, will we see that? Will we see uh, Bryce Betcher start at linebacker? Um, is is he Oregon's truly number two linebacker, or is that somebody else, or is that because of injury? I, I don't know. Um, so those will be the things that we'll be tracking uh, and care. Uh, items that I'm really curious just to see, if, you know, what happens on Saturday, win or lose, doesn't really matter, but just from a roster standpoint. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll start diving into predictions and game picks for this game. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, bold predictions now. We're going to start offensive team. And then we'll go right into offensive individual um, and then defensive team. Yes. Should we recap last week's result? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, we'll go. Yeah, we should. We'll, we'll go top <laughs> to bottom. Uh, and I'm, I'm bringing it up as the guy who got all of them wrong, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a team player, guys. Team player. Uh, Jared went two for four uh, of, of his picks. He nailed the Bucky pick. Going over what one one hundred yards in the first half, two touchdowns. Um, yes, sir. Played out exactly as we said it would on the podcast of two long runs, and then basically, you know, everything else in between was who cares because he basically got a hundred on two carries. He did. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also hit the five hundred and fifty point five yards over take. Um, oh yeah, that it, one. Yeah. That one was easy. That, was, that, was, that wasn't hard. <laughs> Yeah, you got a little I, bit more. I had like 720 yards, I think, was the yeah. somewhere around the number. Uh, so you, yeah, you hit that with flying colors. Uh, so you're first with two out of four. Uh, I hit one out of four. I hit my 300-yard rushing performance. Um, I did not hit on the other ones. And then Eric, like he said earlier, did not hit any, I, which hey, you're, I, you'll get on the board this week. Well, I make myself I make it more difficult because I'm doing the scopal domus thing, you know, yes. and I'm trying to introduce weird little stat things. So I come up with funny ideas and they never work out. So maybe I'll just make it a little bit more boilerplate going. Just got to make it easy. Yeah, yeah I got to make it easier <laughs> myself. I predict. I mean, good. Go ahead. I was just going to say, say like, you, you want to win. I, yeah. I should I should try, I should try to win. I should try to win rather than Always focus on, on funny on funny ideas. But anyway, I digress. We'll see what uh, this week's probably going to be the same. Who knows? I'm not going to count score predictions for yeah, these um all three of us like technically if this was the price or right rest in peace bob parker uh if we were pr- playing prices right we all would have gotten in um but we were so far off from picking 81 points i mean it, it was like astronomically high so i'm just not going to count margin of victory and all of that um but nonetheless so those four we'll keep track all all uh, season. Uh, we'll go into this one week two now. Offensive team prediction. Uh, I'll go first. I had I, they're going to have success on the ground uh, uh, on offense against Texas Tech's defense. I know they run the three three five. I know it makes it a little bit harder for for teams to throw the football, but I just look at this and say Oregon's got good receivers. 
They've got elite special running backs. They've got a good offensive line, and they have one of the top quarterbacks in the country. The offense is going to be good. It it would have to take a really poor performance plus an elevated performance by Tech to really hamstring the Duck offense. Tech was one of the worst defenses in the country last season. Um, so I've got Oregon going over 450 total yards, but the the caveat here is they're very balanced like they were last week. Uh, I'm not going 300 yards on the ground, but I'm going to go 200. So they got to hit 450 plus out of that 450, 200 has got to come uh, on the ground. I'm going – I went a little more boilerplate with this one. I'm going more than 250 yards rushing. Um, this would be the second time since McGuire has been at Tech that that's happened, the other time being um, – Last year, Kansas State ran for like 340 yards or something like that in their game. Um, Tex Tech's run defense was pretty solid last year. I mean, it wasn't awesome, but they were 165 yards per game on the ground. That's respectable. It's not incredible. Oregon, for context, was like 125 last year. Um, Wyoming managed 188 yards. That's some some of what I'm basing it off of. And you know, again, I, I pose the kind of possibility that the offensive line could be an issue where if they, they could have an, a hard time. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I, I think I'm still optimistic here that they're going to win their battles. I know the interior of Tech's defense, you know, I think Dan even didn't tell it to us when we asked for the breakdown, but he did on the coaches show, said that the, the strength of that defense is their interior line. Um, how does that kind of, what kind of impacts does that have? I think is a question that you can ask right now, but I'm going over 250 yards on the ground. Um, I think that's a, a reasonable number. Oregon hit that number about half the, half of their games last year, and that includes games against bigger teams like you know UCLA and Washington. They also did it against Stanford, Arizona, and Eastern Washington. So um, it's a total that they're obviously capable of hitting. And this is a game where, hey, Oregon hasn't really seen all three of its running backs available. Whittington mm -hmm. was out. I'm not sure he'll be a play available this game either. But um, if he is, you're going to see, I think, a, a three-headed attack that's going to be tough for Tech to stop. And Part of this is also me expecting Oregon's going to hold um, a bit of a lead early here and be able to run it. You know, if, they, if they're in a spot where they're behind and they're having to come back, maybe this won't come come to pass. But I like 250 yards on the ground. I went pretty lame for my offensive team prediction. Uh, I'm predicting zero turnovers for the Ducks for the second game of the row. It's good. I but like it. It's a lame stat. There's no numbers behind it other than the zero, which you can argue is or is not a number. Um, it's important. It's going to be an important number in this game. It's the turnover, like the touchdown, or excuse me, the touchdown to turnover ratio. And I think Oregon's just going to play their game. You know, obviously Oregon was great at not allowing turnovers last year. I think they had 12 total, nine interceptions, three fumbles, none from the running backs. Like Oregon, if they can play a clean game, I think that gives them a great chance to win. Uh, first off, it, it gives them as many possessions as they can get. It doesn't end any early. It gives them an opportunity to score every time they get the ball. And secondly, it kind of – it could potentially quiet down the Texas Tech crowd. Yeah. You know, if there's an interception, there's a pick six, oh. there's a fumble inside your own 20-yard line, like the opposing crowd's going to go nuts. And if you're Oregon, you want them to be as quiet as you possibly can. And it's a lame prediction, but I'm going with it. Zero turnovers for the offense for the second game in a row. That's that's a stat how they win this game and probably in a in a way where it kind of gets away from Texas Tech. Don't turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. That leads right into that. So I like that. Uh 
player predictions offensively. Bo Nix, um, he's on a nine-game streak right now. Eric and I joked about this yesterday. We were save wavelength again. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Bo Nix, nine straight games where he's completed 65% or more of his passes. Um, I think that streak goes to 10. Uh, he's completed – or he's thrown 275 balls over those nine games, so about 30 passes per game. Um, we're we're going to see Bonix complete over 65. And I, I made a caveat to it to make it a little bit harder. Uh, I'm going to say 68 and a half. He's got to be over 68 and a half points uh, to hit that number. Um, I think I think Bo is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's one of the best players in the country. And he's going to showcase it in a game against a former working quarterback, Tyler Shuck. I made it more difficult than you did on yourself. I went right. seven. I went seventy-five percent, in part because I wanted to talk about this stat, which is I think pretty, which is pretty impressive. Which is he's completed seventy-five percent of passes in half of his games at Oregon right now. Seven out of the fourteen games he's done it. Um, he's like at Oregon. He's now completed. If you include the Portland State game, seventy-two point seven percent of his passes have been completions. That's just really impressive, man. And, and I know you can look at it and say, oh, there's a lot of short underneath stuff. Well, there is some of that, but there's also a lot of stuff that's down the field. Like this is not an offense that is, because I remember when Mar uh, when Marcus Mariota was here, that was the national narrative. It was like, oh, his passing stats are inflated because it's all this dink and dunk. He's just throwing screen passes. And there were times where you had to admit that was kind of true. And there are times where you have to admit that's even sort of true now with Knicks. There's, an, there are, there's a short game component to this offense, but he throws the ball downfield a fair amount. He has a lot of success. He and Troy Franklin seem like they're on a really, really good page once again to start this season. So I think he's going to go over 75%, be the eighth time in 15 games at Oregon. Um, and I also wrote this down uh, just to illustrate how impressive that is. I looked at this up. Uh, Herbert and Mariota played 84 combined games and completed 75% of their passes just 20 times amongst that. So that was like one every four games. Knicks is doing it every other game right now. Not bad. No. I think that'll, I think that'll play. Um, if he does, yeah. If he hits over seventy-five percent of his passes against Tech, I think that's going to be either a, a really great opportunity for Oregon to win, or something went horribly wrong because he only attempted to four passes. Um, I, I went with, uh, I cheated a little bit on this one. I went with two players, a combination. Um, I have Bucky and Noah Whittington combining for over two hundred yards on the ground and three plus touchdowns. I think Oregon has an opportunity to lean on Texas Tech's defensive line. Um, I know that Dan has said that the interior of their defensive line is the best strength on their defense. Uh, I call his bluff. Um, I think Oregon's offensive line is going to be able to nearly get whatever they want. And I, I really like this offensive line. I know that people, that the national narrative was, hey, they're replacing four starters. They got some unproven guys. Um, and I know it's against Portland State, so it's taken it with a grain of salt. But I, I think I saw all I needed to see. Um, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be able to run the ball very well against Tech. Um, and Bucky and Noah are just some of the best running backs in the country. I think they're one of the best duos in the country. Uh, and I think they'll kind of I, – I, I, in my brain, I likened it to how Oregon played against BYU last year, where mm. a big national game – it's not a top yeah. 25 game, but big national game, Fox, later in the afternoon. Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington became, you know, like name brand or household name people. 
in that game around the Oregon community. And I don't maybe well, people already know who they are this time, but maybe they become names in the Lovett because they're running a muck on the field. So I got them combining for over 200 yards and three plus touchdowns. Do we think Jordan James doesn't see a ton of action in this game? I mean, part of that was because Noah Winnington got hurt last week, but like, what's the I think he, I think it's the same as it was last year. I think if Oregon decides to go in that big personnel package, if they have the dudes, if Casey Kelly can play, I think he plays, yeah. I'm curious on that part, Matt. I'm really interested to see what the rotations look like. If all three of them are available, obviously I, I think it'll be Bucky Noah first, but does Jordan get like a series mixed in? Does he come in and, and, and spell those guys a little bit more? That's something I'm curious on because it looks like he's ready to be more than just a short yardage guy. There's no yes. question. And it could be a situation where Oregon's just so dang talented, though, that you use him in, in, in that light, even though he is capable of doing more. So um, it's obviously a very good problem to have. All right, defense team prediction here. Uh, this is going to be one that's a negative side for Oregon. Um, I, I, Jared and I have said it before. Like, we don't really know definitively what Oregon has in the secondary. I think they're going to make some plays in this game. I think they're going to get some lucky plays that go their way as well. But I also think there's going to be some opportunities where they get burned and they give up some big plays. They give up a long touchdown. Um, they don't make a tackle in space, which results in a first down. I think there's going to be some negative uh, impacts in this game with Oregon's secondary. And partly is because just the offense that, that they have at Texas Tech and the skill set that they have out wide is pretty damn good. So my, my stat here, plus with the fact that they throw the ball quite a bit, uh, I'm going to have not one but two Texas Tech receivers going over 85 yards receiving uh, in mm. this game. I don't know if that's crazy bold, but – No, it's not. You don't feel like it's bold? I think it's very doable. All right. I think, I think you're going to do it. Yeah, I, right. I, yeah, I think Tech's receiving core is going to cause some problems. Yeah. So 85, two, two guys over 85. I'll make it two guys over 90. Make it a little. Ooh, bit. there you go. Now, there now, 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 now it's, yeah, bold. Uh, I don't know. Now, now uh, it qualifies. Yards. Yeah, now it qualifies. No, I, I, uh, I like, I do like that, I, that idea of, of coming up with um, a defensive prediction that's not all rosy sunglasses because I did, I did do a rosy sunglasses. This is going to be a great thing because I, because I do think there are a ton of outcomes where, where Oregon's defense struggles and has some issues and Texas Tech does move the football on the point we brought up all week like Texas Tech doesn't just have one guy in Bradley who's a stud they have a lot of guys they have a lot of guys in the slot and it just takes one big play where you know, Bradley could be a possession receiver who has eight catches for 89 yards I think that was like exactly what he did in the opener and then it takes Fungi or one of the other guys McCray who scores on a 50-yard touchdown and it's it's there right there for them so um, I like that prediction, Matt. I think that's. I think that one's pretty likely to come true, even even though I've got the Oregon colored glasses on. I guess right now, um, mine is definitely a more optimistic view. Um, but I think it's worth bringing up just because of sort of kind of building off of what Jarrett Johnson said the other day on the pod about how the concern they have on the edges there along the offensive line, the offensive tackles, and veteran players, but not guys who maybe been producing very well. Um, Wyoming sacked Shuck three times in the opener last year, they were, they gave up a lot of sacks. Now, part of that is to the point we brought up earlier, they pass it like 40 times a game. So there's just a lot more opportunity, but they were also sacked more times than any school in the big 12. There are only 13 schools nationally who gave up more sacks. They gave up 41 in 13 games. So that's a little over three per game. Um, 
So this is a team that's capable, or, or, or not capable, but make it sound like it's a positive. This is a team that has been gotten in the past by aggressive defenses. Now, does Oregon qualify? That's the question. Is Oregon's defense one that's good enough to make it matter? We don't know. That's one of the things we're going in curious about. Didn't get, as Jared brought up earlier, didn't get to the quarterback at all against Portland State. Portland State also didn't throw the football, and Portland State basically, when they did throw the football, threw short passes, and a lot of the times those passes were passes that were under pressure. So I thought Oregon's front looked like they showed some stuff there, so I'm encouraged by it. So I'm going bold here. I'm saying Oregon matches the current Dan Landing uh, high watermark for sacks in a game, which was five. Last year against Washington State, another air raid offense where they throw the ball a lot. So that was kind of part of my math. So a five might be crazy high. I don't know, but I'm going out on a limb. I'm going with a pretty bold one here and going five sacks. Uh, I also had a sack total, uh, like over under for my prediction. Uh, so I will change on the fly. Um, oh, you don't have to. We can we can do the same. No, thing, no, man. no. It's 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 all right. I'm gonna huh? showcase. He's trying to win. He's trying to win. He's trying to win. He's trying to win. My bad. Um, I like the the negative approach from Matt on this sector, the defensive team. Um, I'm known as the negative guy on the podcast, so I might as well keep that going. Um, I think Oregon's defense will allow over 320 yards of passing uh, to cool. Tyler Shuck and company. And uh, I think it's just for, for, for all the reasons. Um, Oregon could come out and Tyler Shuck could be like 18 for uh, 48 and have 210 yards of passing. I just don't know. But yeah. on surface level, what we've seen, what what we've seen out of Tech and both Oregon, like I, I I don't think it's going to be incredibly difficult for Tyler Shuck to get to that like 300 yard passing threshold. I added the extra 20 just to make it look a little bit more uh, like shocking on a stat sheet. Like I think Shuck had 333 yards last week against Wyoming. Um, mm-hmm. I think he could get there again. Again, it took 48 pass attempts, but. Um, that's what they're going to do. They're going to throw the ball over 40 times. So wouldn't shock me. I'm changing on the fly. Tyler Shuck plus 320 uh, passing yards on the day against Oregon's defense. All right. Uh, individual. I, too, have a sack. Um, I, I do think Brandon Dorless is going to make a big impact in this game. Um, it was very evident when he got put into the game in the second quarter against Portland State. I know it's a different opponent, far weaker opponent than what they'll face this weekend. But I just think Dorless is really good. And I think Jordan Birch this offseason has generated probably the most attention from the fan base as maybe the best player on this defense. I think that's Dorless. And I almost kind of think it's not close. And he's going to have two sacks or more in this game. So I'm, I'm thinking the same along the same lines as Eric that – there's going to be an opportunity for getting after Tyler Shuck here. And I think Dorlos is going to be one of those guys that, to Jared's point, like the BYU game last year for Noah Whittington and uh, Bucky Irving were kind of national or Pac-12 regional type performances for, for them. This could be that moment for Dorlos where on a, on a game that's going to have eyeballs on it against a big-name quarterback, he's going to have multiple sacks, and all of a sudden people are going to start talking about him as, wow, yeah, he's – He's a pretty damn good defensive lineman at Oregon. Uh, maybe not the best D, you know, D end or D tackle, whatever you want to call him, but he's probably one of the better ones in the Pac-12 for sure. He was so impressive in that opener. I know he missed the first quarter, but the game shifted for Oregon defensively when yeah. he came in, and just he was in the backfield all the time. And that's where the counting stats 
don't illustrate the whole picture there because I thought he played really, really well. Um, I'm going with Tysheem Johnson to lead the team in tackles. <laughs> Jared, Jared clearly did it. Jared, you're muted, so you could, your rebuttal was was not heard by the rest of everybody. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't heard by the rest of the community. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're like mind melded this week on defense. I just mind meld one week with one person. Last week it was Matt. Now this week it's Jared. Um, I didn't choose a number of tackles in part because I was sitting with Jared in the press box on on a Saturday talking about whether Jordan James would qualify if he reached the certain yardage, but. You said it was like a parlay, so I decided I'm just going to pick the one component and make it easier because I'm trying to win or try to at least get some of these right. So I'm going Tyson Johnson, finishing with the team best in tackles. I wanted to bring him up for a couple of reasons. A, we mentioned how frequent Tex Tech will pass. And then B, he did play against Ole Miss – or sorry, he played at with Ole Miss against Texas Tech last year in their bowl game, which Texas Tech won. He mentioned um, on Saturday after the win over Portland State that he was uh, looking for some redemption. He was motivated by that. So not that he wouldn't be playing hard – regardless, but this is somebody who at least has some experience playing against a lot of these players for, for tech. Yeah, I had Taishim as well. I had actually the same exact prediction that I did last week, uh, where it was over six and a half tackles and over a half tackle for loss for Taishim Johnson. Um, so I'm going to take that stat line and move it to Evan Williams. I think okay. Evan Williams is going to play. And I think that he will get over six and a half tackles and over a half tackle for lost. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a bunch of opportunities. Same with Tyshean Johnson. Like they're 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 going to be throwing the ball uh, to all different quadrants of the field. It's going to be short, medium, long, and they're going to have a ton of opportunities to go out and hit some people. Um, my only worry about Evan in the tackle for loss department is. We think he's going to be more of like a free yeah. safety uh, rather than Taishim who's going to be playing closer to the box. Um, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, he, Williams has a good amount of tackles for loss for a guy who's played like free or strong safety for most of his career. So um, I think he's a great uh, you know, perimeter tackler. I think that he's going to showcase himself again uh, this game. And, uh, yeah, let's hope it has a, a tackle for loss because that'd be nice to go two for four again and, and continue my domination on the predictions. Whoa, Mike, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, Mike, Mike, <laughs> you only beat me by one. Mike, Mike, well, he's ahead. Uh, Mike, Mike, my concern for Jared is this is the repeat of last year's Brian Addison at Arizona game where Jared <laughs> lost the prediction before kickoff because Addison didn't play. I guess possible Evan just doesn't play in this game, um, which would be tough for your prediction. Yeah. But I, I think it's a good, it's a good player to highlight for sure. All right, uh, score predictions here. How many of you are you guys surprised at all? This line has like not moved at all. It's still six and a half, and now that people are start, it's we're at the end of the week. We're starting to see game pick stories come out. People t tweeting like their betting picks and whatnot. And there's a lot of people either a picking Tech to cover or b just outright winning this game. I think both. Two of the athletics, you know, bigger names, Bruce Feldman and, and Stuart Mandel, picked uh, Tech to win. Josh Pate, friend of the show, did pick Oregon, I think, to cover um, in this game, but he he didn't have a lot of confidence in that. He said, if I remember right, um, Brad Crawford, another one of our counterparts with twenty four seven Sports, is taking Texas A and M to cover. He didn't say straight up outright win, but to cover. Um, and for me, like, 
I woke up this morning. It's like, man, the, the, I'm getting some crazy 2018 Washington State vibes, Ooh. some crazy 2020 Iowa State vibes where, like, Ooh. I went in, like, I'm really confident Oregon's going to win this game. Like, they've got the better quarterback. They've got the better offensive line. They've better, got the better running backs. They've got the better defensive line. Uh, I don't know if – if the secondary is drastically better or worse than what tech has, or if the linebackers are drastically worse or better, but at the key positions, like they own, they should own the trenches. They should have the better quarterback and they've got the best running back. Uh, best two running backs probably in this game. Like how would they lose this game? How should they lose? And on paper, they're far superior from a talent makeup perspective. And yet every, the line hasn't moved once. So like, I, I'm getting a little nervous about my pick because I'm I have this game going back and forth through the first half and probably through most of the third quarter. But Oregon's like I said, Oregon up front has the better players, and that just eventually wears down Texas Tech. Where to Jared's point, um, Tyler Shakoli in the ball. You're, you're very high, Eric, on Oregon getting a lot of sacks in this game. Maybe a sack happens early in the fourth quarter, which results in a fumble, and Oregon scores couple plays after that and then a three and out happens and then we get that long BYU drive where they just destroy the clock and next thing you know they win by 21 and it's like wait that game was never really like a 21 point win but here we are um, that's how I've got it down in the prediction story that's ready to go live I have Oregon winning 52 21 but like I just woke up today feeling like wow you have to win by 30 uh 50 like dang 52-31, but even 21 points, I'm just like – Am I overconfident with Oregon, or is is this just a true read for Oregon? I, I, th- I think this is one where I'm really like – I think this is what's going to happen, but all of a sudden I've gotten really nervous at the very last minute with my prediction. 52-31, I'm locking it in. I, I don't think you're crazy. That would be a statement win, very similar to BYU. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of looking at this like is, it's, it's, is this going to be Oregon-Washington State last year? or Oregon BYU last year and Washington state also being like Oregon should have lost that game where that's a, a possible outcome that you feel like is going to happen. Um, I, I think it's kind of in between. I, I would be surprised if either team won that decisively. I think three scores is, is kind of a lot in this game, but I, I also wouldn't be stunned to come off this going like, man, Oregon just made a statement. Bo Nix is a real Heisman trophy contender. He just lit them up. They, the offense was going crazy. The defense made more plays than we expected. This is legit. Oh man, like this is happening. This could be a really special year. That is an outcome that I could foresee taking place. Um, but I'm picking Oregon to win 41-30. I think it's going to be really competitive. Um, I think Oregon will pull away in the second half. I wouldn't be surprised if Tech's leading, or, you know, in, in early on in that game, like much like they did against Wyoming. Um, I think what separates this is is the play at quarterback, and that's why I made a big deal all week about. Tyler Shuck, but what is he? Because if he's the guy who can throw for 450 yards and beat Oklahoma in overtime and just go head to head, I know that was not a great Oklahoma team. It was definitely not a good Oklahoma defense last year, but that's still a big program. That's still a big game. And to go out and do that, that is impressive. I don't really care, regardless of, of what level of, you know, where that ranks in the, the all time Oklahoma scale of good teams. But I think Nix is just a, a level above. I think he's a, mm-hmm. he's a better player. I think the running backs 
will do enough that there won't be so much put on his shoulders. And I think Oregon will ultimately kind of pull away. I don't think this is going to be lopsided. I'm not sure either side will lead, lead by as much as 21 points, which is Matt's final score prediction. So I like Oregon winning 41-30. I think it's going to be a win that is satisfying, but also leaves you feeling kind of like, okay, the defense still isn't quite there. I know that Texas Tech offense is good. We know that Texas Tech offense is probably a nice test to kind of prepare you for what Washington will be, what USC will be, maybe what some of the uh, Arizona State's not going to be that good, but that kind of a pass offense. I think that'll be how we come out of this feeling. Um, but also feeling like, okay, they took care of business, they won, and, and they keep their perfect early season chart uh, intact. There's a there's a lot of possible outcomes to this game. Uh, I yeah. think it's due to the fact that Texas Tech lost last week. Like no, Again, like I said earlier, no team wants to start off the season 0-2. Um, and they have a home game. They have an opportunity to avenge that loss against Wyoming, make a big statement nationally like, yeah, we were ranked preseason top 25, and we still should be ranked top 25 because we just took down the number 13 team in the country in Oregon. Um, I have the Ducks winning 42-34. I have them just barely covering the spread. Uh, like Eric, I think it's going to be a close game. I think that Oregon on paper and probably on the field is more talented at every single position group. Um, maybe not like linebacker. I'm not I'm, – Wide receiver again. Take, wide receiver. Well, I I like Oregon's wide receivers. Okay. Like, I think if you put Oregon's wide receivers in Texas Tech scheme, I think they would have a field day. Um, okay. I think, but uh, going back to like linebacker, like Texas Tech is without their starting linebacker for the next couple of weeks, and he won't play this game. Yep. Um, in my prediction, I have a very specific way of how this game is going to go, and going to stick to it. Um, Dan talked about the the middle eight and how important that was and how they want to continue that this season. And I think Oregon scores at the end of the half, gets the ball back to begin the third quarter, goes down and scores 14 unanswered points. And I think that could be and would be the ultimate dagger in this hypothetical situation. Um, I do think that Texas Tech is going to give it their all. I think Shuck will be very motivated to do this and to beat Oregon. Um, I don't, I don't really think it's that big of a storyline. I know it's like, Oh, his former team, like, I don't think like Chuck has any hatred or anything like that towards the University of Oregon. Like, I think it's just like a like I guess a revenge thing. Even though everybody he was basically teammates with are gone, the whole coaching staff he was with is gone. Like nobody is still here from his days at Oregon. Um, like maybe he just hates the University of Oregon. Like in the letter O. Like I'm not really sure why this is a big deal, but it will be. Like he'll play on it with his hair on fire. Uh, Texas defense needs to come out strong to begin the game. I just think that Oregon's going to be able to run the ball. And I, I don't know how – I'm not really confident in Texas defense being able to stop Oregon's run game, which who knows what they'll be able to do in Oregon's passing game. I still think it'll be close. I think it'll be a fun game, a good game. I think it'll be a great environment for all three of us to be at. Yeah, I'm And I think Oregon just barely covers the spread, 42-34. You're uh, muted, Matt. I'm happy that you said that all three of us are excited for this game, which is true. It's just a unique experience. Like, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, I don't think I've ever been to a Big 12 stadium at any of them. And it's just, a, it's just a new opponent. 
like we've we've seen Oregon play Wisconsin a lot, whether it's in bowl mm-hmm. games or basketball games. We've seen Oregon play Ohio State in bowl games now in the regular season. Um, BYU is a common opponent. Fresno State's a common opponent. Like Boise State from a group of five, same thing with Boise State or Fresno State. Like this is just a new name. And with that comes some excitement. And it's pretty cool. It's also on the road to start. So you get to experience something totally different. And there are a lot of Duck fans. I don't know about you, Jared, on your flight. Eric, I'm sure you'll experience it more than any of us. But on mine, there were, there were a lot of Duck fans on my flight. I think there's a lot of fans coming from Oregon or other parts of the country that are Oregon fans to see this game play out. Matt, I, I looked at uh, – I ended up finding – we talked with um, with Jer earlier about the last time Oregon played at a university in the state of Texas. It was Houston in 2005. Jonathan Stewart's first game. He had that really long run. Fun. Yep, yep, yep. So that adds up. It's only been six games in the state of Texas since 1950. And they've won the last four, and the, they lost the first two to Texas, and those were very good Texas teams in like the 60s sure. and 70s. But um, they've had oh, success when they made those trips, but – um, we'll see if this is a different animal or not. All right, it's going to do it for us. Next time you hear from us here on the Austin Audible's podcast, it'll be post-game from somewhere inside uh, Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas, as the Ducks take on Texas Tech Predators Saturday night, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. local time here in Lubbock. Game's on Fox. Uh, former Oregon head coach Mark Helfrich also on the call for that one. Uh, so it'll be a little interesting nugget there as well. Uh, but until the next one, Saturday night or Sunday morning, depending on when you listen to this, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.